It's the TEH Podcast, episode 98. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. So I have a deep, dark secret about last week's episode. I don't think Uh I've even mentioned this to you yet. Um, I made a mistake. Oh, no. Fake news. (laughs) <laughs> we almost had two episode 96s. Oh, okay. Um, the, the document didn't get updated that I read from when I'm doing the intro and the outro just to keep it all straight. And um, But Connie caught it. And we did what in the biz would be called a pickup, which means I came back upstairs to my to the recording studio that I'm standing in right now, and I recorded the lines um, the intro line for episode 97, and then the exit line where I also mention, uh, you know, where the show notes are. And uh, Connie very carefully edited those over and in place of the mistake. I listened to them after it got published, and I was actually pretty impressed. Uh, the, uh, uh, the intro, it's really hard to tell. It really is. Uh, I think it really helped to come to the same room, the same microphone, the same acoustics, the same everything. Sure. And if you listen carefully to the outro, uh, to the show notes point at the end of the podcast, okay, yeah, there's a little bit of a something there. But uh, so, so just so you know, everybody, audio, audio can be faked. (laughs) <laughs> wow, I'm shocked. If he can't believe the episode numbers on the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast, what can you believe? What can you believe? I know, I know. Mm. So, so Gary, food services? What's going on? Oh, well, this isn't necessarily in the news, although I guess it is in the news a lot, but it's just something I've been thinking about. Uh, have you been ordering from restaurants or possibly supermarkets? Um, I, I have in the past, during the last couple of months, I've actually done the other thing where I order, but then I go and pick it up. Okay, so that, that is one variety of it. Um, we've done a lot of that, you know, in the last few months. Uh, and it, it occurred to me that it's really bad. Like, in so many levels <laughs> that, okay, let me, let me elaborate. So there's two separate things. There's getting food from restaurants and there's getting food from supermarkets, both very related. A lot of the same people involved in doing deliveries and stuff. Um, well, first of all, getting food from restaurants, oh, the error rate is so high. <laughs> I mean, we've ordered maybe in the last few months, 10 to 20 times. I don't know, maybe it's like 15 times. And so many times the order has been, wrong in some way um and it's just like it's really it's like if that if my amazon orders were wrong that often you know i i would be appalled like you know if i ordered something from a site online and the wrong thing gets delivered uh you know it's it's worth me mentioning hey you would believe what happened to me the other day but it just doesn't happen you know week after week getting stuff delivered it's almost always the right thing but food delivery seems to be maybe about half the time there's something wrong with the order a missing item a item that isn't exactly what we asked for i was going to ask you just how bad i mean what what magnitude of error are we talking about here sometimes a completely wrong meal you know, like one person, you know, the vegetarian in our family gets barbecue rather than the cheese quesadilla, that, you know, that kind of thing, uh, you know, which is kind of like, oh, that looks good. And maybe normally I would say, oh, it's fine. I'll just eat that. But, you know, um, 
you know, sometimes it's things like, oh, instead, you know, they have chips versus fries and you get fries instead of what you ordered. You know, sometimes it's, you know, basic stuff like that. But it just seems like it's it's more of a what's going to be wrong with this order than a, oh, I wonder if they got anything wrong because it's almost always we have a, occasionally food. laughingly referred to it as dinner roulette. But yeah. honestly, from what you describe, our experience, especially lately, has been significantly better. Okay. Um, the most recent mistake was mine. Uh, my wife asked me to order something, and um, it turned out that I just completely blew it off. I, I forgot to. So, of course, it wasn't in the bag when I brought it home. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think if there have been other cases. Uh, there's just well, nothing striking. Now, granted, we're not doing it as often as you, but, right. um, but I'm sure I'm absolutely convinced that it varies dramatically based on uh, the specific restaurant or as you said, the specific grocery well, store. Well, we've been doing a lot right. of, a, a lot, I mean, a variety and it just seems to be very common. I mean, just so wrong food is just one thing mm-hmm. and there's uh, other things. Uh, for instance, the whole experience uh, going to a, a menu online and sometimes fuss, being frustrated with not being able to do the slightest customization uh, of something, you know, that like, right. oh, I want to order this without mayo, you know, right. but there's no option for that. Okay, I'll leave it in the comments. Oh, they don't have a comments field in this particular ordering yeah. thing. You know, it's like, ah, what do I do? But, and, but that seems like that's the sign of a restaurant that's scrambling to well, do online not, ordering where they haven't done it before. It, maybe. I don't know. This isn't necessarily new. It, it varies. I've even seen from the same restaurant a an order form on one site and an order form on another site. And because the way those sites work, you mm-hmm. know, and by sites, I mean apps, really, mm-hmm. um, they they have different options. So, like, ordering from this hamburger place near us, uh, I went, uh, my wife said, oh, we're going to place an order. Let us know what you want. So, I went to the site. I figured out what I wanted, and I wrote it out in a text because she was placing the order through an app. And she was at, wasn't using their app. She was using, like, you know, Uber Eats or Grubhub or something. And they didn't have the same options. So, okay, it's like, I know they have that. Right. That's a topping you can get. It's on their site. But there's no way to add it using the Grubhub interface. So I guess I'm getting something different. So there's a lot of that. A lot of misleading info. I One of our favorite restaurants, uh, we just thought was closed. We went to Grubhub and it always says, oh, yeah, it's closed. I'm like, oh boy, that's a shame. And then my wife pointed out, you know, their website says they're open. And sure enough, their website points to DoorDash and DoorDash is fine. It's like, okay, so why does Grubhub say they're closed and we haven't been ordering from them this whole time because we assumed that they weren't delivering. So that's frustrating. I've even looked at other restaurants, you know, now that I know that and I've seen restaurant listed closed on one site and then I say, okay, let me check other ones and say, no, this one says it's open. So my, gosh, my approach for that is, is completely different. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's part of what might lead to uh, a slightly, at least a feeling of a slightly higher success rate. Um, I never start in the app. Never. Um, I will always go to the website for the restaurant in question, whether it be um, just the local diner that, uh, yeah. honestly, it was closed for three or four weeks 
uh, while they figured out just exactly what the heck they were going to do. Um, and they opened then, I, I think three weeks ago for, they do pies. So they decided to let, let's at least open for pies so that we can make <laughs> pies and sell pies. Right. Um, but they opened last week, actually last Monday uh, for regular takeout with pretty close to their full menu, but it's not, a, it's not the whole thing, but it's all on their site. Right. So you order from them and I go pick it up from them. Right. And that's, uh, I mean, that's something that, I mean, I certainly it, gets rid of that, but it's it not certainly, it certainly removes one of the variables, but also if, if, and I, you know, I don't know if, if like our local the Grubhub or DoorDash or any of those guys will do this restaurant. Uh, but I always, I always start at the restaurant first, specifically because I know that uh, when I go and pick something up, well, A, it's an excuse for me to get out of the house, but it's also uh, uh, cheaper. More of my money goes to the restaurant than it ah. does if I use uh, one of these delivery services. Well, that case, so thinking that way, what I've run into most of the time in most restaurants is you can go directly to their site, but they're just going to direct you to your favorite, you know, to their favorite app. So if they prefer Grubhub or DoorDash or Uber which is great yeah. for two and reasons. You one out, is yeah. they, they've, this is the one that they're saying, okay, fine. We're best represented here. And I also know, again, a friend who is a, um, actually a neighbor uh, who owns a small restaurant, not that far from here. I asked her at one point, okay, which service do you like the best? And she said, I'm trying to remember which one it was. It might have actually been Grubhub. But at the time, I know the rates have changed, but at the time, some of them were taking like 30% of the meal cost mm -hmm. and their delivery fee, whereas the others would take like 10 or 15. And of course, given that choice, you want to, I mean, me, I want to give the restaurant the money as much as possible. I want the delivery person to make a reasonable amount of money, but 30% seems kind of excessive to go to the company that is, uh, that's doing it all. At any rate, same thing. I go to the restaurant's website and if they have a preferred carrier, so to speak, yeah, that's where I go. Right. So, and actually I, I did that at one point I went to DoorDash and uh, said the restaurant's closed. Okay. Went to the site and the site says it's open and they have a link to another service, you know, had some weird name to it. Right. But it, sure enough, they've got an app and it looks like all the rest and all that. I go and I place the order. I, uh, it says order placed. I get an email saying order placed. And I happen to notice at the bottom of the email, it has the name of that service and it says powered by DoorDash. <laughs> so, so I think some of these services and definitely DoorDash, I don't know if the others have two parts to them. One is the actual, you know, service with an API and they allow right. other people to hook into it, uh, probably for like restaurant chains. Because I know, for instance, I think Do DoorDash sure. is Chipotle, in this neighborhood, at least is Chipotle. I can order directly from Chipotle, say, D please deliver. And it says they're delivered by DoorDash. I don't pay anything extra because right. Chipotle's taking care of that. Right. But, you know, this other service decided, you know, to build their service around DoorDash delivery. So it was funny that DoorDash itself was like, no, this restaurant's closed, but this, you know, powered by DoorDash service was perfectly fine. I mean, placing an order. Um, it's funny, the, um, the, again, this diner that I was talking about, uh, you were talking about no place to enter your, uh, your customizations, right? Yeah, they, they, had, they had that. Well, yes, <laughs> I had the, the slightly more frustrating example where uh, the field 
to enter your request was really short. <laughs> so, so all of a sudden I had to use enough words so that it could be understood, but not too many words uh, that it wouldn't, you know, that I could all squeeze it all in there. Uh, again, and clearly they're using a third party service as many of these people are. Um, but clearly this is one of those situations where uh, they have, uh, they're new to this, right? They're just new to this. This is not something they've done before. They haven't done online ordering. Sometimes before. it's some that could be used to an excuse by some, but others have been right. doing it for years. Well, and I, I'm using this restaurant as a specific example because yeah. I know that they haven't done that. The other place that I pick up from, uh, gosh, pretty much every week, um, the, the beer bar and tap room that I go to from time to time, they, I actually also help them out a little bit with their website and they've actually gone through a couple of different providers for their online ordering. Um, the first one was, uh, was good. Uh, the only problem was all it really did was send them an email and say, Hey, you have an order. It wasn't hooked into their point of sale system at all. Whereas yeah. the, the new one is, and you can pay online, of course, if you want to, but it was kind of funny. Uh, the, what that means for them, of course, is that they have to manually recreate their menu on the new service because it's the new service, of course, that's presenting sure. all the options. And they did an awesome job of listing all of the things that might go into a sandwich, right? So you can check this and uncheck this and, you know, just all, customize it to your heart's content. Uh, but what was really funny was to find that uh, one of my sandwiches, had I not done anything, apparently would have come with croutons. On the on the sandwich, uh, so new, new thing, new trend. I very yeah, I very, extra crunchy sandwich. I very carefully unchecked that, and of course, when I went to pick it up, she said, "Yeah, caught that. We're we're fixing that." <laughs> but it's just interesting. So, I mean, I really do feel for a lot of these restaurants. I mean, obviously, not the. I shouldn't say I don't feel for the big chains, but it's different for the smaller restaurants that for which a lot of this is not just new. It's new to them. They don't necessarily have the expertise. Uh, to really figure out how to do it and do it well. Um, they're dealing with a completely new way of doing business for them that they're now completely reliant on just because they can't see people like they're sure. used to. Well, so I see, I do see the other side of it. Uh, well, not the, uh, there are many sides. I see an other side to it because my daughter works at a pizza place. Right. Pretty much their entire business right now is through these services. They're, they're a pickup only pizza place now, but they used to do delivery. Just they're not doing delivery during this. They're leaving it up to these services. So the entire evening is basically tons of orders being received from every service imaginable right. and drivers coming in to pick up and she just every night has complaints about how bad things are. So it's common for drivers to cancel an order. So what will happen is uh, a driver will uh, say, yep, I'll do that delivery. You know, hit the thing on the app. Uh, they make the pizza. They say it's going to be ready at this time. Driver doesn't show up. Driver doesn't show up. Driver doesn't show up. And then driver cancels. And a little message goes out saying, you know, Grubhub or Uber Eats or whatever canceled, you know, the driver canceled this order, but the customer doesn't really see that. They don't. All the customer knows is that they ordered a pizza from this pizza place and all of a sudden the order was canceled. So usually she gets an angry phone call saying, why'd you cancel my order? They say, we didn't cancel your order. You know, the driver canceled your order. And um, sometimes uh, the, the, you know, the people are 
understanding. Sometimes they're like, I don't care whose fault it is. I want my right. pizza, right. you know, and, uh, and that's actually been her. De- so she's not doing deliveries normally, but every night she does deliveries to fix mistakes, uh, from drivers that have either canceled oh, okay. or, yeah. or done something else wrong, yep. um, in, in that. So she's got that. And of course, here's the interesting thing. Uh, when you do a, a delivery like that, you know, you kind of rely on the tip. Well, if there's been a mistake and right, you're the yeah, person yeah. from the restaurant bringing, <laughs> you know, correcting the mistake and bringing a pizza that was supposed to be delivered two hours ago, you don't get a tip. Right. So, she, but she, it's not her fault. And yet she's driving usually much further than the regular driving area and delivering this pizza and, and then gets nothing for it. Um, so, yeah, there's, so there's that. And there's customers, you know, customers too. So we, whenever I make one of these orders, there's usually the option is put like delivery instructions. And even though it should be really obvious that according to my address, I'm the last house on the block and I should be the corner house. And if you're standing in front of the corner house and you don't see a door, look around the corner and there's a door. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I've had an incident or two in the past with delivery people. So I always, you know, I put in there that we're the corner house at this corner and the ha- the door faces this direction and all this stuff. Yet she always complains that she's getting things like apartment numbers that are like building G number 582, you know, and you end up driving into this apartment complex that is like a maze of buildings A through Z right. with numbers that don't make any sense and entrances on all sides and all this. But yet no information that they thought to include in the delivery comments as to where to actually take, you know, the food. It's like, don't you want your food? Wouldn't you put information to help them get your food? Nice it's, it's interesting. Our, the pizza place we order from, uh, they are still doing their own delivery. Uh, and it's been great, honestly. Uh, they've been reliable. They've been fast. The food's been good. One of the things they do, though, again, since this is now all through their website, it's their own delivery people, uh, when you enter your address for the delivery, mm-hmm. they pump it through Google and Google Maps. Yeah. And they actually show you where they think you are. And that's a great level of confirmation that, uh, yep. Yep. Don't know how he's going to get here, but this is where he needs to go. And uh, that's, you know, that works really well. It is funny. I did watch, I think it was, uh, one of them lets you watch the driver. Oh yeah. No, most of them do. Do So that was another, there's another story. So uh, uh, a few months ago, my wife had ordered, uh, ordered dinner to my daughter at her work. Right. So she could have something besides pizza for dinner and forgot about it. And then, you know, during this whole thing, this was like two weeks ago, she ordered something from using, let's say it was Grubhub, and uh, for us at home. And because she already had an address in there, which she had entered for the first time as the address of my daughter's workplace, Mm -hmm. um, it didn't bother to even to ask anything about that. It's like, we got your your address. What food do you want? So she finished the order and it says, your food's on its way to, and it has that address. And it was my daughter's work address, not her home. And it happened to be the day where they were closed. <laughs> we're like, okay, crap. So there's a little thing said, you know, call Grubhub if there's an issue. Okay. So she called right away, spent a huge amount of time on the phone, just trying to get across to them that she needed to make sure the driver took it to the right address. And then noticed that she could call the driver. So she calls the driver, goes right to voicemail, explains what's going on. 
afterwards thinks, well, maybe I should text the driver, right? Because, you know, they're driving around, sure. probably text it, text the driver, and no response there. We watch on this map, like you're saying, and sure enough, right past our house, <laughs> heading right towards that location. More texts, another voicemail, nothing. We actually, one of us took off in a car driving there because our co- delivery comments were leave by the front door. Oh, God. Because it's a... <laughs> So we're like, this is a busy street and the door is like right there on the street. If our food's going to be sitting on the steps, you know? And uh, so one person takes off there and of course they get all the way there and then they call us. Oh, is this right? There's doesn't seem to be anybody here. And we're like, didn't you get any of the five texts, the two voicemails or the information you should have gotten from corporate? Oh no, I didn't get any of that. Well, <laughs> How much more could we have possibly done to try to correct that mistake? Right. Um, you know, so there was that. Uh, the other thing I, I wanted to mention was, because I, I did a search to see if anybody else was complaining also about the low quality of delivery services. And I found a bunch of articles from before the pandemic, shortly before the pandemic, which is always fun to read articles from a few months ago. You know, it's like, and to put yourself in the shoes of that journalist or, you it know, was a different article. World. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like a time capsule going back. <laughs> but, but I found but many people complain about this too, is so you're paying the same price you used to pay when you went to the restaurant, right? The menu choice didn't change. You know, salmon with rice and vegetables at a restaurant that was $20 is still $20 if you order it through, you know, whatever. Right. And you're going to pay fees on top of that. And so it costs more to actually get that. Yet instead of the nice dish with all those things nicely presented and piping hot and the drinks that are being constantly refilled by you know the the busing staff mm-hmm. and you're getting your plates cleared away at the end with you know taken away and cleaned by somebody else and all of that nice stuff you just basically get it in a styrofoam box and it's lukewarm. <laughs> you know it should be like it's like, why am I paying the same price and I'm getting so much less of the experience? Now, right now, of course, it's like, well, because we have no choice. Right. But in general, it is kind of like you're paying a huge premium and not getting the huge premium. I don't know what the solution is for that because I don't think restaurants normally, when they're open, do enough volume to justify saying, hey, half price if you order at home. Right. But at some, at some way, I mean, you're not taking up a table. You know, you're not using their bus staff at all. You're not using their dishes, really. It might be, you know, the cost of a styrofoam box. Um, you're not you're taking up their server's time, any of that stuff, yet you're paying the same price. So it, it's a little, I don't know. It, it's almost like when this is all over and we get to go to restaurants again, I go back to rarely ordering food at home. I mean, in order for me to order food at home, it would take a, a price cut. But I think restaurants could benefit from that because instead of serving, say, 200 dinners in a night, maybe they serve 250 because 50 of them are to people that didn't actually come to the restaurant. Right. Um, Anyway, so I wanted to move on to my other complaint, which is very similar, is food delivery from supermarkets. (laughs) I noticed that on the list. Also seems to be this bad. So my experience was we tried using Instacart years ago, maybe three years ago. And the first time it was like, oh, so amazing. Go online, check off a couple boxes of what you want. Somebody brings it to your door later that day. And wow, why haven't we done our food shopping like this always? You know, I hate going to grocery stores. This is like the best way to do it. 
But, you know, that first time it takes you a while to get used to the site and to order food and all that. And you figure, okay, I'm going to get faster at this, right? This will be great. Every minute I take 10 minutes, check off what I want and say, bring me my food and that's it. Well, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> you still end up spending a lot of time looking through alternatives and they don't have this and, oh, they didn't have this ingredient for this dish. So now I have to remove those items and go back here and find something else to have and all this. And it got to the point after ordering four or five times in four or five consecutive weeks that I was like, oh, I don't have time for it this week. I'm going to go to the grocery store. Right. And I went to the grocery store and it was wonderful. I was like, hey, wait a minute. I was here and back in less time than it took me to actually do the whole order. So maybe this wasn't worth it. So we stopped. Now coming back to this, you know, now we're in the pandemic and it's like, oh, this seems like it should make sense again. Same frustrations. The website's just as bad. Matter of fact, it's worse because so many items are available. Items that you know were there. It's like, I was just there. They have plenty of this thing. I know they have plenty of it right now, but it says not available. So and I have I at know least that's a lie. one possible explanation for that one. Oh, I know. There are good explanations, right? There's just, that's, that's the system and the database. And but it's, no, 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 no. It's not a lie. They're not lying. So I went through this uh, yeah. in January, actually, because uh, that's when my wife had surgery and basically she and, and I, as a result, were going to be homebound for a couple of weeks. And I decided as part of that to try one of these grocery delivery services. Now, I won't name names, but it's from a grocery store you would consider to be a fairly safe way to purchase <laughs> to purchase groceries. It happens There's to be the same safe way I was trying to purchase from <laughs> when I'm describing my, okay, go ahead. But here at any rate, you're not, I wasn't using Instacart. Uh, they actually uh, yes. support it. The grocery store does it themselves. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, That's what and it's doing. the truck that shows up is one of their trucks. Yeah. And I chatted with the guy. We did simple things. I mean, it wasn't horrible. I mean, it was like we needed some bread and we needed some milk. And, and I ordered like a couple of bananas just to see what they would look like because produce is always the big question when you're, when you're ordering online sight unseen. Right. Anyway, so he shows up and uh, we're chatting for just a couple of minutes after he makes the delivery. And I said, well, you know, I was ordering from this store. He said, yeah, no. Um, what really happens is even though you say you're ordering from store X, what you're really, the, the, the fulfillment happens um, either at a fulfillment center or a larger store that might be a little further away that has basically been retooled somewhat for this kind of stuff to happen. So rather than the groceries coming from quote unquote, my store, it actually came from a store, um, you know, several miles further away, but a much bigger store uh, that, you know, presumably did or didn't have. So what you see on the shelf in your local store may have no bearing on what's actually available uh, through the fulfillment center. But it's that's still a lie. I mean, well, I mean, when I, if they say I'm ordering, because to order from that to order from Safeway, which is what I was doing, I had to, you know, select the store I wanted to order from. And um, so if I know they've got the, and it wasn't just one item, it was right. lots of items, right? right. So I, it's like, okay, at this point, at this point, I can't finish my order. I could, I could place an order, get some food, 
but I'm going to have to go to the store anyway. And the point right. was to avoid going to the store. Right. So cancel the order. But actually what happened ordering from that website uh, when I tried the last time was I tried adding some things and I was like, got really frustrated. I told my wife to go, you, you log in and you add some things and see if you can find alternatives. And then we went back and forth until one time I logged on and the shopping cart was empty. <laughs> and it, this was within like two hours of starting. Right. Right. It was just empty. It was our account. It was there. Everything had gone. All that work back and forth. Oh, no, we can get this kind of rice. Okay, you go on now and try to pick out something for that. Okay, back and forth, all that work, gone. We didn't even have a, a, a list of it anymore. We had to like, okay, start from scratch, make a new list, and I'm going to go to the store and buy this yeah. stuff. Yeah. So it was very, very frustrating. It, it was like, it felt like I was going uh, using a website from around 1999 or something rather than 2020. What I thought you were going to bring up, and this seems to be more of a problem now during the pandemic, yeah. isn't so much uh, the mechanics of selection and, and just, you know, picking up, you know, getting the food you ordered or being able to order what you want. Um, it's that delivery times aren't available. Yes, that's right. Uh, we looked at uh, Amazon Fresh, or maybe it was Whole Foods, because we've got, well, that is actually basically Same Amazon thing. anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, and we were looking at them to, to maybe, or deliver something uh, about a month ago after some of this all started. And what I recall was that uh, the, the next three days had no availability, and they would make availability, avail you know, they would release their availability throughout the day, the next day or something like that. And my wife got very focused and kept checking for new availability uh, throughout the day. And at one point, she even, <laughs> she even brought the laptop upstairs, took it to bed so that at midnight she could get up and see if anything became available at the turn of the hour. Yeah. Uh, and... There's some point, and we don't know where, it might, very, might be early morning, where apparently all the availability happens and all the availability goes away because we never once saw an available delivery slot. Yes, that has been a problem with people too. Matter of fact, my, um, and also sometimes they restrict some things. So my brother who lives in another state where they don't have safe ways to shop, they, but they have very large, you may say giant stores. Um, <laughs> full, of, full of food? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, would only let you have one open order at a time. So the idea being that like you couldn't plan for the next spot being uh, – anyway, they ended up using both their supermarket chains and having an open order in both. Mm -hmm. And so they could actually be planning for the delivery, the upcoming delivery, but still be able to put items on the next, you know, delivery right. while they right. were waiting for the first one to arrive. Otherwise, yeah. they would have to sit there and wait a week, get their delivery, and now start a new one. Right. So they were basically getting weekly deliveries, but from those different stores every other week, which is another, another issue of what I'm talking about here. You shouldn't have to do this stuff. Right. You should... This stuff should work well. Other parts of society, other parts of uh, the economy and retail stores and all that work at such a smooth level nowadays. But it seems like food delivery, whether it's from restaurants or from supermarkets, is working at a level that I think is unsustainable. Like if it's still working like this in three years, you know, pandemic aside. Oh, I would be shocked. 
then I would be shocked. I would hope yeah. that uh, both food deliveries and re- you know, f- be it grocery or restaurant style food deliveries, I would hope that this sudden influx of customers will allow them or encourage them to fine tune. Because let's face it, the fact that they exist at all is wonderful. The fact that you can get some lukewarm food without having to go somewhere, honestly, yeah. honestly, that's actually not that bad a thing right now. It isn't, uh, but but it's is it that it, much of an improvement it, of what we had 30 it, years ago? Could be, <laughs> it could be so much better. And I think that that's what's coming to light for a lot of these things. I, mean, um, I don't know. When I was and, growing up, you could, if you wanted to, for a lot of restaurants, you could call them and and they would do takeout you know not take either takeout or delivery right? right i mean you had to call the restaurant you had to speak to somebody there they might have had a really restricted delivery area or whatever and it wasn't right. all restaurants but if you lived in an area you knew that there were certain restaurants that offered that service now pre internet and i with all this technology all these apps all this other stuff going on middlemen like doordash and grubhub and all that I don't know if it's actually gotten any better. Right. Right. At all. I will say that um, you know, with the, the the restaurants I've already I've already told you that I I don't use the delivery services. I do the the I will order online or mm-hmm. call if need be. Uh, but then I will go pick it up. I'm the delivery guy for any number of reasons. When it comes to the grocery store, we're not even trying. Where we go to once a week. Yeah, we go to our grocery store. Actually, one of us, because we want to also minimize the uh, what some would call the attack surface for the vector. So only one of us go for the. Uh, yes, uh, we do the same thing. It so only one of us goes to the store. My wife yeah. went to Costco yesterday by herself and got some stuff. Again, um, you know, just a very strategic kind of thing, as opposed to in the past where we might have gone to the grocery store on a whim. But we're doing it that way. Uh, it's it's. It's, as you say, in the long run, as long as we are able to do that, it is more effective. Uh, now, the, the difference between the grocery stores and the restaurants, of course, is that the grocery stores are still offering the same service that they offered before. You can still walk into a grocery store and go shopping. Right. You have to stay away from some people, and there may be you know, shortage of some, some things, and now there's a, a sneeze guard in front of the cashier, which is just one of those weird things to think about. But, um, but you can still do it, unlike restaurants. Right? Restaurants are having to struggle with these alternative delivery mechanisms. Do you have in your supermarkets there, do they have the one-way aisles now? They did put down some markings. Yes, it's been, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been to the grocery store. Uh, but yes, and if I recall correctly, uh, I noticed uh, I'd say about half the people were doing it right. Uh, <laughs> Which would well, have happened anyway without the one-way signs, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Statistically, that's just the way it works. Yeah. Uh, but I will admit that because it's a new concept, I was one of the people that got it wrong at least once or twice because I wasn't paying attention to the arrows because I'd never had to pay attention to them in the past. Right. I have two complaints about the arrows. First of all, it's the, it's the same one that so many people are not following it. Which, And if people aren't following it, it kind of negates you following right. it, right? Number one, but so I think everybody should obey the rules and we should all follow the one-way signs. That said, they're ridiculous <laughs> because... <laughs> 
I'm not, I, you know, hey, I'm not an epidemiologist or whatever, but I've got some basic science stuff. And, and a very important number to me is time in store. You know, if I, okay. the fewer minutes I spend in the store around other people, the better. And if, and everybody's in the same boat, the fewer minutes you spend in the store, you know, somebody else spends in the store when I'm in the store, the better, right? Get in and out there as quickly as possible, you know, because there's an amount of time you're spent breathing the air that everybody else is breathing. Well, these one-way signs have, <laughs> following the rules, have made it hard to actually be in there like, you know, less time because you always end up at the wrong end of an aisle because I don't go down every aisle. If I don't need dog food, I don't go down that aisle. So now I go to the next aisle. I need something here, but oh, I'm now the wrong direction. Right. Now I have to loop around. And then if I forget something, which is all the time, right? Shopping list, you go <laughs> and you say, oh, I needed this. Oh, that's right. In this store, that was way back over there. Okay, I need to go back. Oh, now I'm on the wrong side of the store. I can't go down this aisle. I need to go down another aisle. I need to, it, it's a whole thing. And I do that multiple times. And this whole time, I'm like, I, I'm just looking at the minutes. It's like, okay, I've been in here 28 minutes now. It's like, I should be done, but I'm stuck here because somebody's blocking this aisle and I have to go down this way and all that. Uh, I'm convinced that maybe, maybe it would be better not to have those and basically do things just to encourage you to get in and out as fast as you can. The problem that I have is a different one. Uh, for what it's, it's kind of like driving. I always end up behind the slow-moving vehicle, right? And, of course, in theory, you shouldn't pass because that then would violate social distancing. So you kind of sort of have to twiddle your thumbs, cool your heels while they're, you know, picking this loaf of bread over that loaf of bread. And apparently it's a monumental decision that takes lots and lots of time. Um, So whereas in the past, absolutely, I'd either zip past them, but even maintaining social distancing, I'd flip around uh, and come at the aisle from the other end. Exactly. And you can't do that because it's one way. Uh, That's so it's definitely making the shopping trips longer and it's making them longer for me. It's making them longer for other people, which means we're all spending more time closer together inside of the same building, which I think probably is negating the effect of the one-way aisles and maybe making it worse. Now, I'm sure you could do a scientific study, you know, who take a lot of work and all that. And there's a lot of other, all the scientists are busy with other things right now. Uh-huh. This is but, not what I want them to spend their time it, on. I exactly. Agree, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but I'm sure they're, you know, I, I just, I suspect that it's like interesting idea. It's not working. Maybe we should get rid of it. And until they do get rid of it, I'm still going to follow the rules. But, but I'm not convinced that it's the, uh, the best way to go. How many, when you go to the grocery store, do you wear a mask? Yes. Oh, well, it, I'm in Colorado. They were, we were told uh, several weeks ago we should be wearing masks outside Apparently, uh, anytime we leave our home. That doesn't really make much of a difference here um, <laughs> because when the, one of the frustrations we both feel is that uh, when we go to the grocery store or well, actually Costco requires it now, they, they, they require you wear one before you enter Costco, which I think is fine. But uh, at the grocery store, our county just uh, this week, I think it is, said yes. The whole, you know, if you if you are going to be anywhere within proximity to people, you should be wearing a mask. But they've always been saying that for grocery stores and grocery stores and other places like that have said, you know, wear a mask, wear a mask. Yeah, I mean, it's only common sense. Wear a mask, and yet, fifty percent 
Oh no, we're the high ninety high ninety percent. No, we're not. In, we're and inside of grocery stores, not at, not outside, but inside grocery stores. High ninety. It's it's and it's frustrating because it's also a case where um, the fifty percent that aren't uh, wearing masks are the folks who are also. I'll just say maximizing the surface area, the attack surface, because uh, they've brought the kids, the, you know, the, oh, everybody's yeah. come along and they're all running around and doing whatever as if nothing's happened. And uh, they're the ones that are actually the most frustrating just because those are walking vectors. Indeed. Yeah. So yeah, no, we've been, I think things are pretty good here with the masks. People tend not to wear them outside. I take, have to take the dog for a walk in the park. Sure. I see a lot of people with masks around their necks. Um, you know, maybe they feel, you know, walking around, they've got them ready if they should come upon somebody they need to talk to or right. whatever. Makes total but, sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm, I'm much more in the camp of, I put the mask on, I don't touch the mask, you know, and until I get back. And, and I'll admit, if, if my mask were more comfortable, ah. I'd probably fall into that camp. I'd probably say, yeah, sure, whatever, just leave it on. Or if it weren't fogging up my glasses, um, that would be another problem. There's so many different types. I actually went through, first I did the bandanas because we didn't have any masks, right? So mm-hmm. I had a camping bandana and then I ordered some bandanas because I couldn't find any masks. So I had tons of bandanas and I wore them many different ways. And then I finally ordered a mask from a shoe company that's a locally owned shoe company everybody knows like in my area mm-hmm. that closed but they figured out that their shoe repair facility could make masks cool so they started making masks out of fa- quilting fabric so they were weird patterns but i ordered one that's the typical like across your face kind it's just a piece of fabric across your face has a pocket for a filter like you can use a paper towel or right. vacuum cleaner bag or whatever then that wasn't very comfortable either but then I found online a um, uh, a mask that kind of – it's a form-fitting mask. The more the type you see them wear in Asia, matter of fact, the ones I ordered proudly say made in South Korea across the top, which uh, some of the reviews, um, despite the fact they say made in South Korea, some of the reviewers were appalled that they were made in China. They're not. They're made in South Korea, but right. I'm just suggesting some of the viewers didn't care well, about the some difference. Some people are apparently geographically challenged. Geographically challenged. And the other thing I thought of is made in South Korea, that's actually a benefit. They seem to know what they're doing as far yes. as preventing yes. the spread of infectious disease. Yes, so I am, uh, for me, that's like thumbs up. So I got those and they fit in the shape, you know, where it's a little more room for your nose and they fit around your chin and all that. Like you mm-hmm. see some people wearing. Right, um, right. I may have to. Much more comfortable. I may have to look into that. I, I, I mean, clearly it's, you know, up until, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I think we were all hoping that this was going to be kind of a, a short-term thing, you know, yeah. that, that, you know, we'd be dealing with this for a couple of months and then we'd be, it'd be over and life would go back to whatever normal would be. But I'm more and more realizing that, uh, yeah, this is going to be on us for a while. And Invest it's probably, in masks, yeah. It's probably worth investing in comfortable uh, comfortable face coverings for sure. Yeah. Ones that make it, you know, uh, easy to just put it on and, yep. and not feel, especially with the hotter weather coming. Yep. So, oh, and the one th- last thing I want to mention is of course I did, when I did do uh, some research on this topic, people say the environmental impact of having all your food delivered in this way isn't good. Like it's a nice luxury thing to have food delivered to your house, but if everybody would start doing it, all the time, it's kind of a mess from an environmental standpoint, having all that food come to a restaurant, people prepare it, and then it go with separate cars to separate houses 
for each meal day in, day out. I'm not sure how that's whole mu- that much different from a whole bunch of separate cars coming to the restaurant to get the oh, food. Oh, good point. Good point. So, but Oh, and one thing I almost forgot to mention, and this is actually quote-unquote breaking news. Oh, yeah. uh, there have been rumors today from several news outlets, hopefully they're not reporting the same, um, the same single source, that Uber is oh, making yeah. a play for Grubhub which I thought was interesting since Uber has Uber Eats. Right. But Uber itself, like Lyft, um, they're kind of sort of struggling right now. People aren't getting into strangers' cars nearly as often as they once were to get around town. Even when, even when they drive vans and have candy, we're still not <laughs> <laughs> uh, So uh, I just thought that that was really interesting and timely given the discussion we're having right now about uh, the various food delivery services. Uh, Uber picking up Grubhub could be something that could help the company survive uh, or at least uh, do something closer to thrive. Right. Well, I think the idea, you know, is basically expanding on the idea behind Uber Eats is they already have a fleet of drivers. And it if their drivers sit and have to wait for right. a pickup, then that's wasted. That's not efficient. So being having drivers that could pick up a passenger or a meal. Right. means that their drivers will be busy more, more often. You want to know as a driver that you could start your shift and you're going to be constantly driving things or people around the entire time until you're done and not sitting, right. wasting your time waiting. Right. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> anyway. So, no, I think that'll work, especially because there's so many competitors uh, you know, out there like DoorDash and stuff. I don't think it's a, it's a competition problem. Um, but it'd uh, be nice to do that. So anyway, I think we've beaten this whole. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Is problematic. Yeah, now, yeah I'm hungry. <laughs> so one of the things that I've been playing with, so this whole concept of pandemic, emergency, yada, yada. I think you know, I've mentioned it on, on this show before that uh, I am a ham radio operator. I think you were once or two, weren't you? Long ago? I, I, yeah, yeah, long, long time ago when I was a teen. Yep. I, I had my license. I was very popular. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's this possibility that in the correct emergency situation, I could become very popular. Um, the idea that, that, that I have been playing with is that uh, one of the things we can do is we can use our radios to send email. Literally, my radio is connected up to my computer and uh, using a special program called WinLink for anybody who happens to be of that persuasion. um, I am able to send an email to anybody on the internet without using the internet to leave my house, which when you think about it, it's not a pandemic scenario, but other kinds of emergencies run into this kind of situation all the time. Hurricanes down south, um, earthquakes up here. That's the one we're always preparing for is the quote-unquote big one because that will take out all the infrastructure, right? The phones won't work. There won't be any electricity. Uh, your cell phone won't work. Your internet is very unlikely to, 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 to survive, uh, certainly immediately. <clears throat> so the, the idea is that by being able to uh, off-battery or generator backup, use your radio to be able to get messages out uh, is, can be a very, very important thing. And as it turns out, when it comes to this kind of radio, digital actually is uh, the fastest, 
most efficient use of the radio waves. I'll just put it that way. Um, even at a stunning speed of only 300 baud uh, or 1200 if you're lucky, um, which is sounds incredibly slow, but the messages that are generally being transmitted in these situations are also tend to be relatively compact. Anyway, I've been playing with this for a while already with uh, what I call uh, my, my local radio stuff uh, for those, again, who, who are um, familiar with the terms. VHF, UHF radio has a, has a limit. I'll just call it of somewhere between 20 to 50 miles. When we are talking about things like earthquakes, of course, it's very possible that um, everything within a 50-mile radius of me is down uh, or at least, um, you know, not, not fully operational. So I started playing with what I call the other kind of ham radio, which is the kind that uh, theoretically uh, lets people talk to people on other continents. In other words, has ranges measured in hundreds, if not thousands of miles. And that's something that I'm in the process of setting up. Uh, I just, let, and I don't know if it's, if it's, Part of the pandemic mentality uh, that is about, you know, preparation, you know, being prepared for whatever life may throw you. Um, I feel pretty, pretty, actually pretty happy with how prepared we've been for the current pandemic, but it also highlighted a couple of weaknesses, you know, here and there. And once again, thinking about uh, the earthquake, which is what we tend to uh, tend to prepare for out here, it just got me thinking. So I'm hopeful that within a couple of weeks, I'll be able to, uh, to send email magically uh, over the radio waves without needing the internet connection here at home. Uh, I know I have at least one friend who does this when he's uh, supporting a local charity run, I think it is. They go out into the wilds around Mount Rainier or something like that. And he's using this same technology to uh, radio in or to communicate in status reports for the various runners that come by his point. Uh, they're in a mountainous region, so this other kind of radio really isn't necessarily as effective. But this long-distance stuff can get out. So anyway, that's the kind of stuff I've been playing with over the past, I don't know, couple of days. And of course, it involves spending money, but then what doesn't? <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's been kind of kind of interesting, kind of a little bit of how I've been uh, been spending some of my uh, quarantine time. Cool. Um, let's see. Yeah. As far as cool stuff, speaking yes. of cool stuff, uh, the one thing I do want to mention that I came across is. Um, SpaceX, you know, how they're getting ready later this month to bring the first Americans from American soil up to the space station. Uh, they have a docking simulator online that you could play, a game. It's a browser-based game, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good in that it really shows you how very hard it is to dock. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've not yet successfully been able to dock. Uh, you know, you've got all sorts of uh, things to consider. I actually... When I was in high school, um, we had a, uh, not only was I a ham radio operator, but I was part of a group of students that uh, was a special program, and we did space shuttle simulations after school, and, uh, and I actually wrote on an Apple II a, uh, a several different simulators for takeoff, landing, I think there was a docking one in there too, um, and so seeing this kind of brought back memories, of course, sure. really nice. It's a really nice implementation. I mean, there's so much you don't, it's hard to express how hard it is to navigate in space. Uh, 
um, when there's nothing to dampen momentum um, and you have to deal with X, Y, and Z and, and rotation. X, Y, and Z rotation. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and none of it dampens by itself, you know, so uh, it's, it's a little wrong, wrong uh, fire of a thruster here, wrong fire of a thruster there. And suddenly you are just screwed. Yep. Um, yep. Anyway, so we'll we'll link to that. It's just a fun free thing that SpaceX has put at this little special site. Uh, so cool. check that out. I keep waiting for. Uh, well, first of all, do we know when they're launching? I, I thought it was supposed to be May twenty seventh. I don't okay. know if there's been an update on that, but that was. Yeah, I, have, I haven't heard anything for the past couple of weeks, but then um, Elon's been busy stealing press with other issues right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's got a lot other going on. <laughs> I've been waiting for. Uh, and I, maybe maybe I've missed it, but there's this promised update or release to Microsoft Flight Simulator. I don't know if you ever played that one, but that was a really, really good flight simulator like 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah, I probably and played version one. I've been really looking forward to seeing what they've come up with, with uh, you know, to play on modern hardware because it was so incredibly good. Uh, so that's just, this reminded me of that, just, you know, more flying simulators and, uh, and uh, being <laughs> able to fly for real. We might as well simulate. Exactly. There should be a passenger simulator. Is that, that's what they need. Microsoft passenger simulator. You know, they make you have to wait and then your seat's wrong. And then, you know, the PSA it costs you and the, yeah. Some, and then you have to, and then they tell you, okay, do take a seat in the most uncomfortable chair you have in your house. <laughs> I was so I was listening to oh, wait wait don't tell me this morning and I don't know one of their segments is that they tell you um, three stories only one of which is true and the participant has to guess which one is the correct one hmm. and honestly I don't recall I'm pretty sure this was a fake one but I thought it was an interesting play anyway um, an airline uh, was. Start, hey, this will actually bring it full circle. An airline was uh, going to deliver you airline food so you could have the experience of uh, you know, airline food at home complete with you know, plastic trays and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was... American Airlines, they, uh, and I don't mean American Airlines, I mean all the American Airlines. Oh, uh -huh. uh, they, they would just bring you, what, a bag of chips and uh, a what a glass of water because that's all you get right now in domestic flights will they not also take like five dollars for a can sure. of cola or something yeah oh yeah or like a little boxed meal from like a it's one of the restaurants you know it's usually branded now oh like, uh -huh. yeah you know this is the from whatever place this is the quiznos box whatever right. yeah then, i don't know yeah yeah so oh, well uh, let's see. So I want people to have a look at an article I wrote. Again, there's another one that I wrote for some time, but it's one of some time ago. But it's one of those articles that continues to hit a nerve with some people. And it's called Why Didn't Windows Fix My Pet Peeve? It's askleo.com slash three three four five. And it's an attempt to explain literally why Windows didn't fix or why Microsoft didn't fix something in Windows that I'm sure you thought was incredibly important and horribly broken. Um, it's, it's an interesting thought exercise to go through 
as you know, I've had a little bit of experience on the inside of understanding exactly how that sausage gets made. And there are a lot of considerations that I think a lot of people don't necessarily take into account. So that's an interesting one, a fun one to read. Askleo.com slash 3345. Why didn't Windows fix my pet peeve? I'm going to have to look at that because, uh, of course, on the Mac side, it's the same the same thing. Everybody uh, wants their little thing fixed or changed. And sometimes it is when it's not or not improved, people can't believe it. Oh, Apple's falling apart. They haven't fixed this thing. And right, right. sometimes I want to say yeah, that, I mean, I agree they should fix that, but really it's like 1% it, of people. Is use it that really thing. that important? You know? yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, to you, it might seem really important and, and it should, it, that's valid, totally valid. But it doesn't mean that Apple software team is falling apart because they haven't fixed your one thing because they did fix a lot of other stuff. Yep. Anyway, yeah, so that's, uh, I'm going to check that out myself. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a similar article on that kind of thing. Sure. Um, my thing is uh, I did a video, uh, it was uh, Monday's video um, on iPhone messaging tricks because when you're doing text messages on the iPhone, there's a lot more than just sending text. <laughs> Matter of fact, Apple has added so much at this point, as long as you're using Apple's iMessage system, there are uh, things, you know, little things where you could bring up animated GIFs and it, you could search for them. There are things where you can make your own little animated em emoji or use one of theirs and actually record yourself saying something and send it in text message. There are things where you could take a picture or video and draw on it and then send it to somebody. And if it's like video, it plays the video and the drawing in real time. So like if you draw a heart, you see the heart being drawn. It's just not printed on there. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many different bells and whistles and cool things that you can do to make it more fun when you message with friends. And I know a lot of people stuck at home are messaging with friends yes. <laughs> rather than, you know, seeing them all the time. So I did a video where I just basically run down all of the things you could do uh, just in the bare messages app when you're going iPhone to iPhone. So That's, anyway, that check that out. Pretty cool. I'm just, I'm just all excited and getting used to, to uh, using emojis more. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered the emoji keyboard in Windows and um, um, have been starting to find out where they do and don't work. I discovered that they don't work in my favorite text editor, so now I'm having to look at a different text editor. But, uh, you know, they're showing up in my YouTube descriptions and just, you know, all sorts of different places because I'm, I don't want to say that I'm bored, but I'm kind of having fun with that. I have a video, an older video that's on how to, like different uses for emoji that people don't think about mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't realize on, I don't know if on Windows, probably on Windows, you can use emoji in file names and folder names. Yes. So people are always looking for ways to customize their, their stuff. And, you know, if you've got a, you know, all these different emojis you can use for, not as the folder names, but in the folder name part of them yeah um, and for bookmarks and stuff in the browsers too you can use them um so there's a lot of really interesting so uses. i started oh gosh it might even be a year ago now there's an emoji in the title to my weekly newsletter i've got a thumbs up in the subject line and great you know it it pops a little bit in your inbox, right? Emojis are one of the ways that people draw a little bit of attention to, mm -hmm. to newsletter subject lines. But my publication process, I also archive all my newsletters online. And as it turns out, what happens is the title that includes that emoji becomes the title of the page, which becomes the URL of the page. You can have emojis in your URL. Ooh. 
It's weird because what happens is, and you should go have a look at, you could just go to newsletter.askleo.com and then go to the current issue. But you'll see that the emoji displays correctly, but because it's a URL, it's like in the URL field, it's a bunch of uh, percent encoded hex values, which makes it really ugly if you're ever sending somebody the URL. Yeah, you may. Uh, I, I'm looking at how I do mine, and actually, my URLs are say newsletter like 591.html. So I avoided that. Right. Um, right. And by, I'm thinking I'm probably going to scheme. go ahead and um, uh, start removing the emoji from the URL just because it makes the URL so ugly. But like I said, when you display it, it looks kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so. Cool. Anyway, that's what I've been experimenting with. Hey, I think we wrapped it up. Yep. Show notes for this week are at the te- are at tehpodcast.com slash teh98. Seriously, 98 this week. Do you have a comment or a question for us? You know to find us out on Facebook and Twitter at the, the TEH Podcast, or you can always leave a comment in the show notes page. Thanks again for listening. We will see you again next week. Take care. Bye.